E-commerce is set to hit nearly $10 trillion over the next few years. It's pretty obvious to say that this is a huge and impressive number. It's also ripe for fraud. Follow the money, as the expression goes. Fraud has increased year over year at over 30%, most unfortunate statistic for businesses and consumers alike. We're joined today by Shoshana Posner, fraud expert from No Fraud, to talk all things fraud and how business needs to be thinking about mitigating risk in their business's day-to-day operation. Welcome to DigBiz. Okay, I'm sitting with Shoshana Posner from No Fraud. She is the Director of Business Development and in the burgeoning area of fraud prevention. This is something that a lot of businesses don't know a lot about. They tend to handle this themselves or don't handle it at all. And uh, as a result, Shoshana and No Fraud have uh, come into existence to, to, to really bring, bring shape to, to how retailers and businesses of all kind can help mitigate this risk. So Shoshana, welcome to DigBiz. Oh, thanks, Jason. And thank you for inviting me to this. Um, I appreciate the opportunity and I'd love to help your listeners understand the fraud landscape as well as arm themselves with information to know how they can protect themselves against fraud. Excellent. It's exciting. It's something that we've heard so much about uh, from our client base and in, in businesses for years and years, and we have helped them in, in various ways. But but uh, but you guys came at this from a pretty innovative uh, point of view, and, and you're sort of sitting outside of the standard merchant processes like uh, secure MasterCard verified by Visa, and you step outside and you put another take on this. But before we get onto the technical side of it, um, why don't we look at, at e-commerce in general, uh, you know, specifically e-commerce and and what the landscape looks like and how how this has turned into such a big area of risk and therefore an area of, of opportunity for businesses to grab a hold of things. So so we've, we've got an e-commerce market that is, uh, you know, well into the trillions and, uh, you know, even B2B is looking at hitting over $7 trillion in the next few years. So this is an enormous um, an enormous opportunity, but also an enormous vulnerability for businesses right now. Absolutely. So uh, e-commerce is definitely booming, and I'm sure your listeners can even you know tap into their own experience. Uh, you know, I, I I would never shop online. You know, ten years ago I did all my shopping in stores, and now I shop substantially. Um, <clears throat> the, the statistics show that. Eight and a half percent of all retail sales are done online. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, me personally, it's way higher. Um, but, you know, that's what the statistics show. But the the growth rate for e-commerce is is growing at a clip from, you know, Q1 of 2017 um, versus Q1 of 2016. You know, the growth rate is 14.7 percent, um, according to some um, industry experts. And it's only growing. So there's definitely, um, you know, there, there's a huge market for online businesses such as yourselves, and along with that come the fraudsters. Um, the in, in the fraud landscape, the uh, EMV tip tech 
strategy has made retail transactions a lot safer for retailers. The fraudsters you know, need to feed their families, so they have actually they go to the path of least resistance, which is now e-commerce. So in the e-commerce world, the liability is on the e-commerce merchants to ensure that the transactions that are being made are are were done with the actual cardholder. It's a lot murkier in e-commerce, and it's very easy to get defrauded if the proper preventions are not in place. So the potential to be defrauded as e-commerce grows is growing along with right. with, with that growth. So, so Sean, can, can we spend a moment on the, the concept of liability shift? And I think a lot of retailers understand this intuitively, but, but fundamentally, liability shift is saying – Hey merchant, you're on the hook. And it, and let, let's talk about that for a moment. This is basically the burden of proof is on them, isn't it? Exactly. A lot of shoppers don't realize when they when they shop online and they submit a chargeback, most com- most people think that the credit card company takes the hit, but in fact, as some of you may already know, the hard way is that the merchant takes the hit. So if one of your customers submits a chargeback, your money's on the line. The credit card company isn't absorbing the loss. In very rare cases, they do, but most of the time, it is the the merchant that has to absorb the loss. So it's in the merchant has to be prepared to be able to fight either to um, to prevent or to be able to fight chargebacks. And there are you know different types of chargebacks. Some of the methods to prevent get, getting chargebacks are simply prevention, like knowing which customers you don't want or which transactions not to take. And other ones, which are more like the friendly fraud, like item not as described, item not received, those types of charge, chargebacks, um, you just need to be prepared to be able to fight them effectively since there really isn't a way to prevent those unless you can identify the you know, serial returners or serial complainers. Um, but on the fraud side, there's a, there's a very clear way to prevent those from even happening in the first place. And that's where you would turn to a fraud prevention provider um, to help you with that. There, it can be done without a fraud prevention provider, and I can go through some different methods. Um, but, you know, the fraudsters are slippery. And if you, you know, you can get hit even doing it yourself. And, I, and I'll go through that yeah. in just a little bit. Yeah. So, so, so let's come to the... Let's address the, 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 the simple you know, bricks and mortar tangible route of uh, fraud prevention for a moment. So you mentioned the item not received. This is a bit of an, it's a bit of an obvious one where you've shipped out this thing. It costs $500, whatever. And this person simply says, it, I never got it. And, and so I know that this isn't exactly what we're here to talk about, but we'll start there because it's, a, it's an easy one to understand. So you ship something out. They say they never received it. How do you protect yourself there? So the way to protect yourself is when you respond to the chargeback, you show proof of delivery. FedEx has tracking information, UPS or whatever, whichever shipper you use. You should always ensure that you have proof of delivery. Mm-hmm. And then you need to respond back to that chargeback at your bank and say, here's proof of delivery. I can prove that this person did get the package. If you have signature confirmation, of course, show that as well. Um, and then you should be able to win those chargebacks. If the product was not received, um, it actually was, say, stolen from the front door or whatnot, you can always um, pr- um, start a case with your shipper to try to get the money back there if the item was, in fact, not received. So you have two recourses. And while it's time-consuming, you do have recourses to get that $500 back. Right. Okay, good. So, so the takeaway from this is with high enough value of, of your, your, your sale, 
that you put the, the appropriate measure into your shipping uh, checks and balances so that you do have that burden of proof to say, yes, it was received, here's the signature, it's a done deal, as opposed to no signature or some sort of lesser security there. Yeah. yeah. So now let's, now let's come into uh, evaluating the, 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 the sale itself which is now into your territory. So traditionally or historically, going back to, I mean, you, you, we talked about this before we started, um, we, we started the podcast, is coming back to 2013, uh, the founder of No Fraud had a real, real issue. And you don't have to get in too much, but basically it was a pretty large fraud. Can- Correct. So... <laughs> I'll, I'll describe what happens. Um, so the founder of No Fraud, he was the director of e-commerce for a electronics wholesaler and retailer. Um, they generally sold small electronics like you know phone cases or um, chargers. Then they started to sell, uh, they started to sell tablets. And during the holiday season in 2013, you know they they did great business. They sold many many tablets. And then come January, they got hit with a wave of chargebacks, and they didn't even realize that it was an issue that they had to think about. Um, they got hit pretty bad, unfortunately wiped out quite a bit of the profit from the holiday season. Uh, so it was obviously very distressing and upsetting. So they, you know, the, he started to look for a solution that can help mitigate this or prevent this. Again. Um, and he, what he saw, there were pitfalls with each solution that he saw. So he essentially built his own fraud prevention algorithm using the latest fraud prevention technologies out there. Uh, and it worked really well. And it worked so well that, you know, as he was, you know, he, as he had friends in the industry, they had issues with fraud as well. He shared what he did with the, with his contemporaries. And it, that's really how no fraud got started. It, it was, it's a, you know, it, it worked really well. Um, and he, he figured if others need to use it and it's working well, why not share this with other businesses who, who have the same issue as he does? or as he did, or the same uh, challenges. And that's really how No Fraud got started. And how, so this is, this was 2013, so No Fraud launched sometime in the next year or so after that? Yeah, so 2015, there was, um, actually early 2014, there was a soft launch, and 2015 is when we really got started, you know, marketing it to other businesses. And we, you know, we developed, you know, every couple months we developed another app as we realized um, that not every business has open source software where you can easily, you know, connect an API right. uh, and e- easily connect the service. And there are, you know, quite a, quite a few companies in you know, different platforms that need a fraud solution as well. So, you know, we've been developing and refining. Um, and, and fraud is is a, a constant living, breathing, moving thing. You know, technology keeps evolving and we need to evolve right with it. We have to always stay one step ahead of the fraudster. So we, we can say, you know, it, we launched and we just let it sit. It's constantly being worked on, developed, at, at, at like analyzed, edited. I'm bringing in new technologies, looking for new trends. It's a, it's definitely something that's always being worked on, and and improved. Wow. And how was the response then? So when when word got out that this was possible, w- were people dubious or were they more uh, excited? that this was even possible? So a lot of customers, like our, our initial customers came to us pretty desperate. <laughs> um, some of them had, you know, had lost like $20,000, $40,000 to fraud. And you know, the, our, our prime target are, are more like the small to mid-sized businesses that already wear many hats. They 
in order to be a good fraud prevention expert, you really need to understand where the risk lies. And a, a lot of them just didn't want to deal. They didn't want to do it. You know, the, you know, a business owner has to you know, make sure the finances are in place and make sure the marketing, SEO, um, you know, social media. There's so many different tasks in today's world that a, that a, an e-commerce business has to master. Fraud just doesn't need to be one of them. Um, so they were relieved to be able to outsource um, this task. And they were, you know, thrilled. Uh, we, we, now our, our our original businesses, like we've been so successful with them, and they they've just they haven't looked back. Excellent. They just rely, you know, they rely on no fraud. We do a great job, um, and it's just one less thing that they have to worry about. Well, and you 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 hit on something that I definitely wanted to talk about, and that's that's return on investment. And now, the, now I'm not talking about return on investment with no fraud, although we'll get to that in a second. I'm talking on re- return on investment on the activity itself. So, as you said, you know we've got, uh, you know there are lots of businesses where the the owner, proprietor, manager, and so on. They say, well, uh, you know I'm I'm good at managing this. Whenever a fraud uh, a chargeback comes up, I go in and, and, and I win them all the time. There, there's a, there's an element of pride to all of this thing is that this is not a revenue generating activity for a business is it it's not like making a sale it's not like going out and generating new sales what you're doing is trying to stem stem the tide of loss which you know okay you're you're saving money in a way but you're definitely not generating new money so from a return on investment point of view even for businesses that you know, as you said, you know, people who are wearing many hats in the small, medium uh, um, world and even small enterprise for the people who are managing this, it's an expense. Like the actual activity of managing this is an expense. So uh, what we're saying is even if you're good at it, even if you're watching the, the risk factors, the, the IP addresses and addresses and so on and so on, it is a manual human process that is effectively an expense. Absolutely. And and I find that there's a lot of education that we need to do to business owners um, on the, the true cost of fraud, because, you know, it, the, the cost of fraud is not just the chargebacks. There are many, many factors. The chargebacks are the most obvious and they hurt the most. Um, and, you know, just to also on a side point, just to kind of answer um, so a point you mentioned, you know, even very, very rarely it can anyone win all their fraud chargebacks? But the win rate is extremely low because generally once you've been, once someone has used a stolen credit card, the credit card companies are not going to give you the money back. Um, it's very rare unless it was a misunderstanding that someone submitted a fraud chargeback when really it was, you know, say a son using a mother's credit card um, or, and that, you know, that she forgot about. But very rarely can you actually win these. Um, but, you know, going back to the, the costs of fraud, you know, the, the manual work is definitely a very large cost of fraud. And sometimes the, the, the manual labor, once it's all added up, actually exceeds the chargeback costs, uh, the, the, right. the cost of fraud due to chargebacks. Right. Um, you know, there's, you know, and, and there's, again, like opportunity costs. This, this employee who is right now, you know, a customer service employee, which, which is, you know, the, the type of um, employee that's often the one that's stuck with doing the review, um, he or she, you know, can be calling up customers to make sure that they're happy and be saving, you know, existing customers uh, or getting them to buy more as opposed to just trying to stem the losses. So, you know, the cost of fraud is is the chargebacks. It's the manual overhead. And, and another point also is there's a cost. Uh, one of the costs that's hidden that people don't always realize is, is the false decline rate. 
many times businesses get hit at that and they'll say, no, that's it. I, I have so much fraud coming from um, Montreal or Quebec City or this particular neighborhood. I'm turning all of that off. Um, or, you know, I got too much fraud from, um, let's say, France. I'm just no longer shipping to that country yeah. where, you know, that's you end up losing more business due to you know, overzealous fraud prevention than actually true fraud prevention. So you know, the, the the cost of false positives is is another cost that businesses may not always consider. Right. And we've seen that before, uh, exactly as you described, where we've been uh, we've been asked to turn off an entire IP series, which has got problems unto itself because someone who's good is going to get around that anyway. But as you said, it just you, you end up turning off all, a bunch of legitimate sales as well, just because the expense slash headache of dealing with in the first place is is uh, is leading it to uh, throwing the baby out with a bathwater situation. Exactly. And it, it gets emotional when someone has stolen from you. It's almost as if they opened up your door, walked into your house, opened up your fridge, took things and walked right out. I mean, it's it's kind of violating. And, yeah. and I understand why a business owner would be so spooked and would shut it all down. Uh, you know, you know anything related to the way that this, you know, that, that fraud happens. Um, so, you know, one thing that no fraud offers is a guarantee. So essentially... No fraud will tell its customers that if we are wrong, if we tell you that a transaction is legitimate and it turns out that it results in a fraud chargeback, we will actually reimburse for the cost of the chargeback. So business owners can sleep at night knowing that even if they're using a fraud solution and, and we're wrong, they will still get their money back and they will be reimbursed. So you can, you know, you can easily know that your business isn't at, you know, crazy high risk or some mysterious fraudster, you know, having a, a nice shopping spree. Um, you know, you are, you're covered you're, and your liability can be projected, which right. which helps, you know, it also is an, another benefit um, to no fraud where, you know, the fraud losses can be, you know, you can have good months and bad months. Using no fraud, you know exactly what your fraud costs are going to be month to month. So let's talk about how you even make this happen. So now, now we know at an algorithm level, you we we talked about the story of of, of how no fraud, uh, you know, essentially operates. But how you're able to do what you just said, how you're able to you know offer these kinds of guarantees and these kinds of services, really is about automation and scale, because it's obviously you don't have a giant rooms of people who are doing this in real time. Uh, you've you've automated this. You've taken a look at the the all the factors that enter into um, um, identifying a potential fraud uh, transaction and doing it in real time, which is how the the magic happens. So as a result, now we're talking about a service that um, that feeds back in real time, in real transactional time, feeds back the level of the amount of work that a human would have to catch up on that could take hours. So this is so you're you're doing this in in a matter of a, a second or less, and you're offering in that second or less per transaction uh, an, an assuredness that can go all the way from a risk awareness to a risk guarantee. And you're saying, uh, as a result of this, the chances of you having to deal with this after the fact are nearly nothing. So taking away the the as we said before the the uh, emotion, the uh, and the, the sheer labor of fighting uh, a false chargeback. 
Correct. So um, no fraud is essentially is a um, it has a very complex set of um, rules, and there's a component of machine learning as well, um, plus human intelligence. And what we do is we look up on fraudsters' patterns. So fraudsters generally are they have a problem. They need to get the goods using a stolen card. They actually have to physically retrieve the goods. So there are ways that they operate that we tap into. So, for example, um, they use certain email addresses. No, sorry, they use IP addresses. They need to commit fraud from somewhere, so they have an internet connection. All the financial institutions have an equal or they, everyone has to help. So when a, a, a company defrauded, no fraud included, we submit the IP and all the information to a central or to central databases. So once a fraudster has been committing fraud, the IP address gets flagged. So we tap into those huge global databases to, to, so that we can know the risk of the IP. We can also, we are able to have, we have proxy piercing technology. So we're able to tell if a fraudster is trying to hide their IP, if they're using a proxy. Um, fraudsters generally know that once they've used an email address, that email address will get flagged. So they use new ones. They will use, you know, at Gmail account um, or a Hotmail account um, and they'll be brand new. So one of the things that we look at is how long has this email address been around? Has it been, been around for a while? Generally, fraudsters use brand new email addresses, not often. Um, then there's location. How far away is the billing from the shipping and how far away is that from the IP? Where is the product going? Is the product going to a reshipper or a freight forwarder or is it going to an actual home? Um, freight forwarders and reshippers have a very high risk of fraud and yet they're not, doesn't always mean that they are fraudulent. Many legitimate customers will, will use a freight forwarder if they want to buy a product from a company that does not ship out of the U.S. But again, it's a, a prime for fraudsters. So those are definitely looked at carefully. We have our own internal database for freight forwarders. Um, we'll take a look at velocity. How often is our orders coming from this specific IP or email address? Um, you know, it, and, and how often are the cards changing? Very often fraudsters will buy cards on the dark web and they know that most of the cards won't be valid since the consumers already, they already know that their card has been, has been breached. Right. Um, so we'll see, and it's amazing to watch the patterns. So we'll see, you know, one order with this card number, it gets declined, you know, due to no funds, then another order and then another order and different cards each time. So we're able to pick up on these patterns and, and we'll say, oh, this, this particular IP has 17 attempts with different cards, the product all trying to go to the same address. Uh, you know, if a car does go through, you, you absolutely don't want to take that transaction. It's clearly a fraudulent transaction. Mm -hmm. So we also look at patterns. What what pattern do we see? Um, we can also see, you know, ha has this credit card ever been used in any of our networks of, of businesses? So you know, this card ending in, you know, A432, which is a visa, you know, we've seen it on another store with a legitimate order that didn't result in a chargeback. So we know that this next transaction is safer. So there's, there's so many different pieces of data that we look at. Um, you know, another one, which is you know, a fairly obvious one, but you know, is it, how much money is this person spending on shipping as compared to an average customer? You know, right. if, if they're using next right. day air, that, yep. that can be a, an indicator. Again, not always, but it can be an indicator. So we have so many moving parts of data. And what we do is we make sense of all of this information 
and give you a response. This is a legitimate transaction or don't take this transaction. It's fraudulent. And this is a this is an important thing that I think a lot of people are are just starting to understand now. A lot of business business owners and managers that um, that there's so much going on uh, behind the scenes that they cannot tap into as a single owner owner operator manager. Whereas um, it's similar actually to the to the spam world, email spam world, where where if you know, when this, when spam is being evaluated, they're looking at um, blacklists and 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 other forms of of, of, of algorithmic evaluation to sit to to see as you uh, as you talked about you know what kind of email address it is, where is it coming from, are they on a backlist, and so on. And you're you're not taking that to the next level. You it has to because it's financial. And you're saying in a similar way, we're looking at other bits of data that um, regular managers can't tap into. They can't tap into um, the the IP series. You can't tap into uh, are they uh, you know where is this transact where is this card being used in the past and so on. Everything that you said. So even for those business managers that that you know are 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 good at this, they've developed a successful pattern of watching for fraud. They're still not tapping into the depth of information than than uh, than you are, so um, and they're certainly not doing it as fast. So the question then is, do they really need to take a, a, a look at their business model to say, you know, not only am I not um, um, spending my own resources wisely, am I am I spending it as as intelligently as a service could offer? Definitely for faster. Right. And, and that's a great point. Like, I mean, businesses really need to evaluate, and especially with the holiday season coming up, you, you know, everyone's going to be stretched pretty thin, <laughs> um, you know, during those couple of weeks, uh, you know, and, and definitely if there's a way to outsource a task to, to a third party that can do it, you know, better and more efficiently, it definitely, you know, can make a, a good business case. To, you know, the, the, the numbers should generally add up to make sense. Um, you know, no fraud always sees itself as a cost saver, not as an added expense. So if you are, if a business owner is spending a lot of time doing that, or if they're not, if they're not having good results, um, and, and they are getting chargebacks, generally no fraud comes in being less expensive than doing it, um, on their, on your own. Right. Well, especially with, um, some you know, target and high value, uh, sectors. There, there are there, there are not a lot of e-commerce areas where I think fraud would be uh, you know, completely irrelevant. There, there may be just a few that, that I can think of, but uh, but anything of any value that um, uh, that could be resold, as as you you mentioned in the in the earlier uh, in the earlier situation where you have high ticket items that have a high resale and that can move very quickly. Um, right. Whether legitimate market, black market, and uh, etc., these these businesses need to take a long, hard look at the the model of managing this. Right, and you you'd actually be amazed at the different businesses that have problems with fraud. I mean, we sell, we have a um, companies that sell sprinkler parts, or even like custom bred frogs, sneakers, apparel. Um, we have companies that sell, okay, I mean, quite a few in the electronics business, right. um, but, you know, but we have makeup um, and, and some of these, some of these products are, are, are low value. You know, people are still trying to steal a $15 product. So right. while, you know, the obvious, you know, high value 
you know, or business that sells high value would be an obvious um, target, but, you know, people selling home goods, pillows, blankets. Um, we have companies that sell, you know, it really, really runs the gamut um, for, for businesses that can be hit with fraud. Um, you know, fraudsters will just get, will take anything. And, and we, I, I read an article recently about this couple in New Jersey that got busted. I guess their um, their address was linked to so many fraudulent transactions or maybe someone called, called the police, which, mind you, even calling the cops when, when you know that the product, we know exactly where the product's going, and, you know, most of the time the authorities are not interested. Um, but it, somehow they got the authorities to get to this house and they found they had in the back of their property a huge warehouse full of random goods. And like the, the article was describing the goods, like a gazebo, bicycles, electronics, clothing. Crazy. Like the, it, it ran, like there was, there was a huge variety of goods. And the way that this couple was getting rid of the goods is they, they would go to these like local Facebook groups that had deals, you know, you know cheap goods in New Jersey or, or one of those types of sites. And being it for whatever money they can get, pay for it. So if the gazebo costs... Two thousand dollars, and you know they're putting it out there for five hundred dollars. It's you know they still make wow. five hundred dollars, so they were just reselling whatever they can get their hands on. And and deal hunters, you know, they don't always think about where the why is this product so cheap and where did it actually come from. I mean, you know, those people just say, well, that's not my problem. I someone's selling it. I'm giving them money and getting the goods. <laughs> that's right. Um, um, you know, so so, so this you know, the story just really goes to show how. No matter what business you're in, you, you're definitely there. Definitely is a risk yeah. to fraud. Obviously, yeah. some some more than others, but there's definitely a risk. No, it's interesting. This this is uh, I think maybe a good last uh, last part of our discussion. It's interesting that you brought up New Jersey because the one and only time that fraud has been attempted on iTristian Media Group was from New Jersey. And uh, or at least it resulted in an account in New Jersey, which we we tracked down and we called the bank there and so on. And once we figured out what was going on, um, but that now circles to B two B. We've been talking to B two C a lot because B two C is a bit of an obvious one. I'm selling a stroller. I'm selling a, a tablet, pair of shoes, and a, you want to make sure that you're not going to get nailed for it. We we we've hit that one. Now B two B is a higher ticket value um, by a couple of times now. And it's going to be hitting seven, over seven, nearly eight trillion dollars in the next few years. And as the saying goes, follow the money. Um, there's already stories in, in a, a potentially more sophisticated way. And you and I talked about this earlier about um, uh, what's been called triangulation and, and, and other forms of fraud where one one person will buy something with a uh, a credit card and then uh, and then ask the business to manage the expenses um, from that budget and disperse funds as a result of it so they're they're spending usually via checks or some other kind of uh, transaction they're spending you know four or five maybe ten thousand dollars out of their so-called their budget that has been funded from that original fraudulent credit card transaction so now now we're talking about transaction fraud that is not to the tune of you know fifteen dollars or five hundred dollars we're talking about fraud in the thousands and this is happening at the b2b level and uh, and and i'm sure that you're not even seeing the tip of the iceberg yet where businesses are, are turning around and saying okay i have to deal with this 
and uh, and now there are businesses that are dealing in the wholesale level that may be dealing with B2B and B2C, like traditionally B2C, but are dealing with B2B, that now need to consider this as well because the risk is obviously significantly higher. Right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, fraudsters operate in many different areas. I mean, now there's you know, identity theft um, that companies need to consider as well. Um, especially with the Experian breach, which is very unfortunate for the financial world. Um, you know, but yeah, fraud exists in so many areas um, and, and, and exposes so many businesses to all different types of risks. I mean, just think about the the, um, the groups that, you know, the uh, I think it's called like a DNS type of fraud where they'll just take over your entire system and you need to pay a ransom yep. in order to just access your, your regular day-to-day you know, systems. Right. Right. So there's 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 fraud in so many different levels, right. but you know at least in in this type of fraud in uh, you know consumer fraud, um, you know trying to get stolen goods, there there is a, an easy solution. Right, but it, e- e- even so, this is kind of what I was getting at is that if that initial transaction, if someone's coming to to uh, to buy at a B two B level from you, and and it's initially seems like an initial you know, a, a contract startup that is legitimate. Uh, there are there are still concerns. There can still be concerns that says that that person who's giving you that that initial upfront payment for your project uh, may still not be on the up and up, and it may not be obvious because you're not shipping them goods worth five or ten thousand dollars. You are going to be providing services worth five or ten thousand dollars, but then in doing so, you may get nailed eventually, and therefore tracking back to that initial payment. Uh, it's important that businesses understand that they have to protect themselves against that as well. And the same thing has gone for us here, where we've seen some transactions that have come through that were they were getting you know hit high up in the risk scale. So we just had uh, ended up uh, you know not allowing it. And um, so this 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 seems like an area where uh, businesses need to think a little bit more proactively, B two B businesses, about uh, services like yours as well. Right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, Shoshana, I think uh, we've covered an awful lot. I think that uh, you know we've you, you've you've given a, a lot to think about for uh, for you know managers of small, medium, and even uh, large businesses about um, how they can rethink their business model and and how they handle fraud. So it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure having you and uh, um, having you here and working uh working with you a little bit over the over the years a full disclaimer for everyone we have worked with uh, no fraud and it's been uh it's been a fantastic uh fantastic relationship to start as well so i hope you had fun as well no absolutely thank you yeah. uh thanks for the opportunity and uh you know definitely love to help anybody out that wants to find out more information about what they can do to help prevent fraud even on a on a basic level uh, even without using our service i'm always happy to help excellent Thanks, Shoshana. Thank you. Thank you.